2: an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argore, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our, our library of weekly archive shows, and it is always our goal to make a, dis, uh, a difference. So I welcome everyone. Um, it's been a little while. We've had a little bit of a break in between shows, and it's, it's nice to get back in the saddle, so to speak. Um, and we have a wonderful guest today, and we are accommodating because of the time difference. Um, we have a guest um, who has been... Um, a guest one other time, so I guess that qualifies her as a repeat offender on <laughs> Shattered Lives Radio. Uh, uh, Linda Ch- 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 Fell is my very esteemed guest. She is uh, happens to be the uh, publisher of the Grief Diaries Anthology Series. She is. Uh, an award winning author herself she's a producer she um, is a coordinator for um a nationally known conference and she wears many many hats um, and uh, we just thought it would be a good idea to do a second show as an update because I believe it's been uh, about a year or more since we did the first one and as I said online oh have oh, how we have grown. Um, And we're also going to dedicate um, probably at least half of the show to one of the new books that have come out because it's very interesting to me and our audience, um, the book dealing with uh, cold cases, Project Cold Cases. But before I do, I just want to uh, welcome back uh, Delilah. It's delightful to have you back. Um, I'm glad you're back home safely in Myrtle Beach. And um, you want to say hi to our guests and and we'll get going. (laughs)
0: Well, absolutely. it's always good to be back in in the saddle, like you say and um i'm I'm thrilled to have Linda back again. She's always uh got so much information to impart to our listeners, and I think everyone comes away with something when we have her on as a guest and and the same thing with each and every one of the books that is in the um series they they touch a different. Aspect um, for each person, so everybody everybody can relate to something within the series.
2: Absolutely, there's something for everyone, and that's that's what I've tried to uh, address in my book signings too that I've had. It's not strictly about homicide loss. and um, bringing it bringing it home to the customer. is kind of what we what we try to do and um and as we know homicide is not an easy to- topic and neither is cold case which is very akin to homicide and also the other the other uh topic that's very close to our heart um and i just want to do a little 30 second commercial before we start um the other topic which i was going to say is missing persons and as linda very well knows we, we are coordinators for the q center for Missing Persons in Wilmington, North Carolina. And our annual conference is coming up in March, beginning on the 16th to the 20th. So I would encourage everyone to go to uh, ncmissingpersons.org and register for that conference. It's one of a kind. It's wonderful. And not to mention that part of the proceeds for my book goes to that organization. So now that we have that little detail out of the way, Linda, welcome back to shattered life It's a pleasure to have
1: you oh thank you so much ladies you know it's, it's an honor to be on your show I, i'm a fan of of your work and um and actually what you do is very impressive i you know and so to be a guest on your show is really cool for me thank you
2: well um thank you and uh you know you're you're just so very busy that i'm so glad that we uh we could you could make time for us in your schedule and Um, I know for as many interviews, media interviews and uh, TV TV stations and whatnot that you do, it always comes back to framing the issue of telling your story. Now, we had the benefit of um, delving into that a little more deeply in our our first show. But for those who may not really know how you got involved in this, could you give us a thumbnail sketch of of how – of of how your story began, and then we can use that as a springboard um, for the other topics we want to
1: get to today. Sure, absolutely. My story began kind of unusual. In 2007, I had a dream, and it was one of those nightmares, uh, you know, that you wake up put in a cold sweat, and it's very vivid. And I dreamt that our third-born, our 15-year-old daughter, died in a car that flew off the road and sank in a lake, leaving behind an open book on the spot where she disappeared. And it shook me up so much that I actually sought out a psychic medium because it really was frightening. And two years later, we lost our daughter in as a backseat passenger in a car coming home from a swim meet. And, you know, it's, there's really no words to frame the journey that you you find yourself at the starting gate of this journey, the journey that's very frightening, very scary, very unknown, and you know I don't even remember the first two and a half years. I was in such a shock, but little by little I found that when I helped other people, it helped to heal my own heart, and so I started doing more and more of that. And I, I started Greek Diaries Radio, did some live filming. I decided to host a national convention, and I really branched out into various forms of media, uh, you know, really loving that I could just wrap my arms around different people um, and, and, you know, give them the comfort and support that I was so blessed with. I find that many people are not blessed with support as they face their own journey of loss. And uh, fast forward to after the national convention, I was very moved by all the stories that were shared there. And I thought, what am I going to do with all these stories? And the idea for the book series uh, immediately came to mind. And so I set out to create an anthology series of books that were dedicated to grief and sharing our journeys that hadn't been done before. And, you know, grief is a very taboo subject in our society. People are very uncomfortable with it. And in order to make a difference, for how people view it in future generations, we have to open that dialogue now. And besides that, the books bring comfort to other people, uh, you know, who share our journeys. And so uh, the first eight books were published in December 2015. And within a year, within 12 months, I had over 500 writers. And we just published our 23rd book in the series. So it's been quite remarkable it it certainly is
2: um and and i agree with you that the aspect that you you've been able to procure all of these other people to be able to put pen to paper and share the story, there there lies the, the the power linda I, I totally agree with you that um so many people feel like they're isolated out there by themselves and no one no one is kind of in the same boat and and your your books make make those experiences come alive and so I, I think that in in this journey I was just, I was going to ask and you just touched on it. Where ha, where have you been uh, where have you been and and where are you now now with the series a little bit more in depth in terms of the um evolvement of um, you know, you started out with a handful of books and and that process of growing, what's, what's that what's that like?
1: Wow, it was <laughs> it was like uh trying to catch up with a a snowball going eighty mu five miles an hour and I only run, you know, two miles an hour. So <laughs> it was such rapid growth that it was really uh, you know, creating the will as I went because I had no template from which to draw on, but I I, I led with my heart and I knew that if I lived with my heart, I'd be okay. And so what I learned through each and every book is interesting because I know, you know, years from now, many of these writers will forget me. They'll forget, you know, that they shared their story in this book series. I, you know, but I will never forget them. That's how profound each of their stories touched me. And so each of these books, I learned new dynamics. Of the grief process. You know, when we, when we did the book, Surviving Loss by Homicide, your book,
2: mm-hmm. I, you know,
1: that's not a journey I share. And so I learned a tremendous amount by combing through those stories and compiling them. And, you know, really interesting that although grief touches everybody at some point in their life, it's, it's remarkable how the difference journeys have different dynamics that make it very unique from one another. And then, you know, when we when we did Project Cold Case after Lost by Homicide, that was even more unique. You, you know, sure, they had all shared the same common denominator of losing a loved one to homicidal violence or kidnapping. But what made Project Cold Case even more unique is that they're unresolved. And so people are left with, you know, these questions that are unique to their experience that makes it different from someone who say, lost someone to suicide. Right. And right. It, it's, it's, and so that I think is why the series has grown so rapidly because even though we've all been through a loss, you know, every loss is as unique as a fingerprint. And so you, it, it, it's helpful to put them into their own book. They deserve their own book, their own title. And from there, You know, some people think, well, there's only so many losses you can experience. Yes and no. Uh, You know, loss affects us, grief affects us in many ways that have nothing to do with death. And that's where the series is going now, uh, you know, exploring the ways that we're impacted by stigma. And that's something I know, you know, Donna, that you've been impacted by in, in how, you know, being born with the, the physical challenges that you have and people's mm-hmm. perceptions. And, you know, myself as a former uh, overweight woman, a uh, former obese woman, you know, the, the stigma that I lived with as an obese person, that somehow I was less valuable, right? And so yeah. it's, it's interesting how these stories, these books evolved on their own. And mm-hmm. one, you know, one book led to three more titles. People would say, "Would you do this? Would you do that?" And of course, you will. If it if it has to do with grief, absolutely.
2: Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm sort of getting at. In that, you 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 have a topic out there, and you put it out there, and there are the, the minimum, you know, fifteen people or twenty people, and then how do the other ideas spring forth from that are you perpetually getting people submitting new new ideas every day how does all that get sorted out or you know I just was wondering about
1: that aspect of the process you know thank you doing with that yeah thank you for asking that because I I think many people have that same question and are too afraid to to ask and in my mind my philosophy (laughs) I know that's what I love about you you know in my mind (laughs) That if if it's important to somebody, it's going to be important mm-hmm. to more people. And so I had a gentleman that I believe he knows you. Uh, I could be wrong on it, but I. I oh, think I don't so. know anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but but he lost a loved one in a car accident due to a diabetic driver. Oh
2: and yes. Yeah, and so he, he said, "There's book, a lot of it." He was at, my book, he was at yeah, my book signing. Yeah, and he said.
1: Right, and so that inspired him. He said, you know, there's a lot of us. I'm in my own group on Facebook with other people who have also you know, lost a loved one to a diabetic driver. Would you do a book for us? And that's how each of the, the, these stories were inspired by a regular person. One, the, the most recent book that we just published is Through the Eyes of DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, which used to be known in years past as Multiple Personalities. And, you know, people think, well, how does that relate to grief? Well, the, the woman who inspired it was one of my original writers who lost a child. And I get to know many of the writers on a very personal, you know, relationship. And I come to love and admire many of them like you. And you get to know them. And mm-hmm. she finally, after some months, she said, would you, I live with multiple personalities. Would you do a book for people like me? And I, I was intrigued. And I thought, well, yeah, because I can see how that would introduce grief in your life, your whole life. And so that book was just released. There were 17 writers from around the world who shared very boldly what it's like to live with DID. And as you know, we just had the movie come out, Split, featuring a guy with 22 personalities who terrorized three girls and talk about stigma and, uh, yeah, and so that's how each of these titles came about from it, stemming from the original eight. The original eight is what I had in my mind, and I thought, let's do these eight. And, you know, that pretty much covers it. Well, it didn't cover it. It was just, a, a, you know, the <laughs> beginning. It yeah. It was a snowflake in the whole snowball. And, yeah, and so, you know, for course, homicide, uh, you know, that impacts so many people and life. And they feel very misunderstood because it's not the same dynamic as losing somebody to cancer or, you know, even suicide. It, it's got its own unique fingerprint. And I found that when you give people a voice, it, it, healing takes place for both reader and writer. The reader says, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. And the writer says, oh, my gosh, that was cathartic. And so it, it's really been an incredible journey. Really, and I feel so humbled to, you know, partner with so many people. I, I mean, people like you, you know, how cool is that for me? Well, <laughs> so. thank you. It, it is, it's
2: been a, a wonderful experience for me, too. And, uh, uh, you know, just adding to my network, networking. At, be, before we get into the need of um, the evolution of Project Cold Case and all, I just wanted to address, sometimes I think with regard to my book, and this is The Elephant in the Room, and I've just written a blog on this that we have not published yet, but I have gotten um, people who tell me, and I'm sure you, you you hear this all the time, how do you respond to people that say, but blank topic isn't uplifting, so therefore we do not want to feature it at my coffee house, at my bookstore, at my what. And so I just decided a couple of weeks ago, I have to write about that. And I, I think I gave a very good response to that we will publish it but what do we say because oh well you know multiple personality well that's so depressing who's going to want to read that how do you respond to that question linda that what blank uh, you know, premature birth is not uplifting. Well, nothing in life is necessarily uplifting anymore. It's the aftermath and the people that you meet and what you can do to help other people that is the uplifting part and how you change and grow and what you
1: become as a result of it, right? Well, for me personally, my my opinion about this book series, because, yes, I've, I've been hit with that stigma. Well, it's such a Debbie Downer. I, you know, it is a Debbie Downer. Um, And, I mean, that cannot be denied. However, if I wanted to do inspirational stories, I would do Chicken Soup for the Souls. This is not an inspirational series. This is a series that raises awareness. It is a series that comforts people who speak our language. It, it It is a series that helps to open the dialogue that has been long kept in the closet or under the rug. Grief is something that is part of everyone's life. And Mm -hmm. why are we so afraid of it? And, you know, if I wanted to to become, you know, a New York Times number one bestseller, I would have written something that, I don't know, 50 shades of, you know, I don't know. (laughs) The point being is that if we become too afraid to tackle taboo subjects, future generations are no better off. It's up to us to make the difference. And so by virtue of you doing a radio show, you know, Shattered Lives Radio opening the dialogue about what happens when you lose a loved one—that is mm-hmm. very brave. That is cutting edge, because well, thank people you. unless unless it's, unless it's scandalous, people don't want to talk about grief or uh, you know. I mean, I've even wow. had a, well, I, I've had a loved one who felt because of the work that I do my advocacy work on, you know, helping people to find their footing in life, they feel that I'm stuck in my grief because that's the kind of work that I've chosen to do in Mm -hmm. the aftermath of losing my own daughter. And, you know, to me, it's an honorable choice. It's a, it's a humbling experience to be able to hold someone in the darkest hour. Right. And, you know, and so it's, uh, for me, I see it very different. So, you know, Yes, it's true. I, I remember one time at Barnes & Noble said, grief doesn't sell. Sex sells. Sci-fi sells. Grief doesn't sell. And I thought, you know, it, it's, she's wrong on that because, again, if you go, you know, if you are looking on how to, uh, you know, cook something, you buy a cookbook, right? And right. people, if this same person had suffered a lot, then they would be all over it. Right, but because that particular representative hadn't yet been impacted by a loss or grief in her life, she made the decision that nobody has. Right, and, and you would think that, they
2: would want answers. And you know, it's it's only right. when something like that happens to to you that you pay attention. And there are those exceptions, yes. like yes. our friend Delilah. Delilah, you are a person from the outside looking in, but you have been perpetually schooled in all of this for several years, so you have that sort of objectivity, whereas we do not. What do you have to say about this whole, I mean, you read the book in the format and you really liked it. Uh, I remember you telling me that. What would you say about this whole thing, you know, oh, it's not uplifting. So somebody that has not had this experience, what would you say? Well,
0: it's, you know, like I told you when I when I read the book, I was totally unprepared for how good it was, actually. And I, for me to read the different stories, it was an eye-opener because I've been around people who have had the experiences like you've had and I've heard the tales and I've heard your story and I've heard other stories. But with each telling... It's it's an, a learning tool. It's an educational experience for me, um, and it's it's just like I you know one of my biggest pet peeves, and and I know this from being involved with missing persons for quite some time. Is and I've never had a, a family member go missing um, either, but people don't think about it until it happens to them, and they don't want to really know about it because it's an icky subject. And it's the same thing with death and dying and grief. It's an icky subject that most people don't want to deal with to begin with and then to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to read about it or to um, listen to someone else. It's... I don't know. To me, it's very educational, and I think it's very necessary because we are a society that likes to stick our head in the sand about a lot of different things and a lot of different issues that need to be addressed, and the only way to address them is to shine the light on it.
2: Well, absolutely. I just think, look at all the change that we're undergoing as a society. Whether it you know be in crime, whether it be a political, whether it be you know the changing, our culture is changing so very rapidly, and we you know if if we don't try to keep up with it, at least make an effort, then we're we're really going to be left behind. We're really going to be in trouble. Not to say that everyone has to be obsessed with these topics that we're obsessed with because it's part of our the fabric of our lives linda but i'm i'm just saying that um we have to i guess as introducing these books we have to try to make a way to make people feel a little bit comfortable to make them feel relevant so for example when i i did my last book signing a couple of weeks ago i said did you read the harper current did you see about tj allen and the the young kid that went on a dirt bike and went off into the woods and, and went missing, and then all of a sudden he's murdered. Well, that brings it home. That brings it real. Well, gee, that's the, that's the town next to me. Oh, my God, maybe I should pay attention. We have to somehow make it relevant to people, even though they don't
1: want to hear about it. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think it's, right? you know, it's, it's important to have this out there as, as resources for people that when they are faced with loss and grief, it's there already. And for, for, you know, for them, and this is really critical, it's, it's critical that your listeners who haven't walked this journey understand that it's a lonely, lonely journey. And so when you have a book of a collection of writers that I'll contribute to and you read through the stories, you say, oh, my gosh, I'm not crazy after all. And that is so, that's priceless. Mm-hmm. That, is so, that is priceless. And, you know, what it does do for people who have, haven't faced loss themselves is that they can read through it to see, to get a glimpse of what life is like through the eyes of those who have. And that, right. just like Delilah said, it's educational from that perspective. Um, mm-hmm. But even more important, professionals who study this kind of stuff in college and beyond Yet, have not walked it, this gives them a collection of non clinical stories, unbiased, unfiltered, you know, first hand stories for them to study. And that's yeah. another important element of doing these books is that, and because oftentimes you think of, you know, these kinds of things, have, professionals will examine them, right? But they're all written from these clinical viewpoints that forget the human side of it. It's more right. from that, what you've learned in school, not what you've actually experienced. And there's a big difference. And so by reading the firsthand accounts from people who, you know, a broad spectrum of backgrounds, right? Some of them have right. PhDs, some of them are MDs, some of them are homeless. And by ha- allowing everyone to have a voice, you get such a, a you know, a deeper appreciation for the, the perspective. And I think that that's really, really important to have this non clinical selection of stories. You know about this one experience. It's, it's having that non-clinical is is critical, actually.
2: I I'm totally glad you brought you that, that up, Linda,
1: be, because that that is
0: exactly what hit me um, in reading the book was that everyone's story is different, and yet it's all important. Everyone's right. story, you know, there's not one story that is more important than another. It's important because. It needs to be told,
1: right? And and you know, in our society, I'm a big fan of fighting stigma. And in our society, we have this misperception that somebody who is you know unschooled or has a you know a, a very blue collar job is somehow not you know their their journey isn't as um, valued and. That is so wrong on so many levels. You know, somebody who is just making a paycheck to paycheck, uh, you know, who lost a loved one, let's say they lost a a son, their feelings are not going to be any less important, uh, you know, than someone else who, you know, was a millionaire who lost a son. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. um, And
2: it can be even more because they have lack of resources.
1: Exactly. uh, Exactly.
2: I, I give them all the more credit that, that you know people that I have I, I have met across the country and you know those people that maybe have not had a formal education and all of that they and maybe they don't have two pennies to rub together but they're the most generous people that I know you know and that's the beauty of life Linda you know and yep, um, absolutely so I I agree with you I just wanted to put in that it, at my last signing too I had. One was a licensed professional counselor, and one was a, a, a counselor, marriage and family therapist. And they were so grateful that they happened upon my table because they had said they're definitely going to use this material. They need it. They want it. They want to join my website and all of that. So it was very valuable from that perspective. So, you know, we have the people that can put it on the shelf. No, it doesn't affect me, but I can use it for reference or I can give it to a friend or a neighbor that I know can use it. And we'll put it there. I'll look at it when I want to. It doesn't directly relate. But then we have all these other people. So what I'm trying to say is this whole series is so valuable. It's a a very tapestry, and it's growing. And I'm so, you know, I'm just so grateful to be, um, involved with this, and hopefully I'm going to be involved in one or two other books, and who knows. Um, so with that, let's talk about, because it's, it's just almost ha- a halfway point, and let's, let's, let me also say, because we didn't get to say it on the air, we are doing a book giveaway um, today where we are um, Linda's donating two books from um, the Project Cold case, and I am donating two of my books on homicide loss. So, for those of you that listen to our entire podcast, um, if you'd like to email me at um, um, D- D- Donna, Gore, uh, D- Donna Lady Justice at gmail.com, and you can give us a question and an answer from this hour podcast. Um, we will write back to you. I'll write back to you too, and we can share addresses. And we will give you um, we will give you um, a, a book, one representing each book for each of the two half hours. Does that sound good, Alunda?
1: I think that's fantastic. I and love giving away
2: books. <laughs> the other requirement is that if we we do this for you and we choose this. Um and do i is that the right email because i don't usually use that one as often as my other is that true um, lady the email is
0: it's lady lady justice Donna at gmail.com. dot com
2: okay okay that's the one okay um please email me and you can you can um put a question and the answer that was posed in summary form so we know that you listened and Please put your, your mailing address information, and we will, we will each send you two books, okay? So um, I'm glad I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old here. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's move on, because I have some other friends that are in this book as well. Tell us about Project Cold Case,
1: Linda. Well, that is a very, very interesting book. And, in fact, today's our annual fundraiser. And uh, Ryan, Ryan Backman is the founder of Project Cold Case. They're a national nonprofit based in Florida, and they help families across the nation who have a cold case. And Ryan himself was, he was 31 years old when, in 2009, his 56-year-old father, Cliff, was shot and killed. And it was a unsolved murder. And so Hmm. in January 2015, Ryan founded Project Cold Case. He wanted to help families of unsolved homicide victims. And, you know, by publicizing, working with lawmakers on cold case legislations and advocating for families and such. And, you know, he's really done remarkable work. And he heard about the Grief Diary series from another nonprofit who uh, partnered with us uh, to do a book, um, Lost by Impaired Driving. And that was a really good book done uh, this last year as well. And they're a nonprofit, and they said, would you do a book for us? And I thought, oh, of course. And so that was done, and Ryan saw it, and he contacted me, and he said, would you do a a book for Project Cold Case? Well, absolutely. And 22 people uh, joined the project and shared their stories of losing a loved one to uh, homicidal violence or kidnapping, and it remains a cold case. And, Mm. you know, just like it is with each of the books, they kind of develop their own little family. And this one, uh, very, very interesting, a very good book. It was quite large, over 400 pages. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, it it was very eye-opening for me and that the difference between a, a cold case loss versus, you know, and some of the other losses, is that the families are often left with more questions than answers, right? And right. there's a lot of anger that go with that because where, what do you do? Where, where do you, you're, you're left with, you know, unresolved questions about your loved one's disappearance or, or murder. And so there's anger and frustration, and oftentimes that gets put onto law enforcement. And I was really surprised in that book on how often that happens. And so law enforcement, as we know, are human beings. And just like any profession, some of them are diligent and do an excellent job, and others not so much. And so what happens in the dynamics between law enforcement and cold case families, uh, it was, that was very interesting to me. And so uh, that, that book was published November, of this so just a few months ago, and uh, it turned out really, really well. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. So that's how it's a little bit different than Surviving Loss by Homicide. Um, you know that one was a big one that was on my heart. The, the, you know your book, Donna, um, but then doing Project Cold Case, I thought, boy, that's even more unique. That's even well, more. You know, go ahead. Just
2: to give you an idea of the the definition and the statistics, because people may be wondering, well, well, how do we classify a case as a cold case? The National Institute of Justice says that any case whose pro, pro probative probative investigative leads have been exhausted, um, can be a, a cold case. And that can be as, as early as a few months old. or really? you know. And then it can go, yes, it can go on for years. Now, according to Wikipedia, more than 211,000 homicides committed since 1980 remain unsolved that would be you know, considered cold case homicides. And the national uh, average rate of solving homicides um, right now uh, in current statistics, 2016 into 17, it, it, it tends to be about 61%. Um, however, in certain places where it is very, very common, such as Chicago, they they only had like a 26% rate of uh, solving homicides. You know, there are places that are just Wild West societies, sure, as we know, Baltimore sure. is one of them. So that's what I'm saying. On the average, you know, they may solve, you know, and that might be high. I don't know. 61% to me sounds high. Um, but there are at least over 200,000 homicides that have gone unsolved since 1980. And when you think about my dad was killed in 1981, and that was like 35, I don't know, 36 years ago, whatever, Um, that is a long time. It's a long time. And the grieving is very different, too. It's like in waiting for the other shoe to drop. But it has happened. It has happened where these cases can be solved, you know. But, um, you know, I'm just. So that i'm I'm glad that you've gotten that big of a response such that you know people wanted to write about it, and we know of so many other cases suit too, too, so you know what what is it about these books where um some are easier to sell in terms of getting authors, co-authors, and other ones are not is there Is there anything there in the dynamic window that that makes you think, well, this is why? We're having such trouble here, and and where I just barely put the word out, and then I get tons of people on this book.
1: What's going on there? Well, quite honestly, when we're um, approached by a nonprofit, they come with a built-in group of writers, and they bring. Oh Yeah. yeah, and so when I lost by impaired driving. That nonprofit, they had, um, you know, been part of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and then they broke off and started their own. And the founder of MAD, Candy Lightner, she wrote the foreword for uh, that particular book. And you know, they already had these built-in groups, especially on social media. And within 48 hours, we were we were full. And same with Project Cold Case. You know, Ryan Kane, he had a few thousand families he was working with, and within Mm -hmm. short order, uh, you know, we were falling off and running. And so – but it doesn't make it more valuable than any of the other titles. It just means that it comes to – you know, the ball moves along pretty quickly. And, you know, some of the other titles – you know, it takes a while to find enough writers willing to share their story. I don't know if they've been invalidated for long enough that they gave up. Um, not quite sure, but you know, with each of these books, I, I firmly believe that they come to fruition in their own time. Some of them take an entire year, and while others are often running within a matter of days, and all of them are equally worthy. You know, they mm-hmm. they really are. So, yeah, there was something I wanted to point out though. With going back to Project Cold Case and surviving loss by homicide, you know, I think one of the the differences between those two types of losses uh, is that with homicide, it's final. There's a finality. And, you know, of course, it's unexpected and it's traumatic, but it's a finality. There's no turning back the hands of time. With cold cases, you never know. When you might get that phone call, you know, there was a case down there in Florida where a baby had gone missing from, and this was just in the news, you know, a baby had gone missing from the hospital uh, just a few hours old, and 18 years later, that child discovered living just a few hundred miles away. And so, you know, those parents were reunited. And so with a cold case, there's always that possibility. You never give up hope that right. something can happen. And, uh, you know, we, we see that with the cold cases, and that comes with a different dynamics. So, you know, um, I, I know that, uh, you know, in, in talking about, like with Karen Bowden, she wrote for both books, uh, her 13-year-old sister, you know, Kathy was, was murdered in 1971, and it's yet to be solved. And, you know, they didn't find her body for, for quite a while, and so do you, uh, you know, put up? tombstone? If so, and if that person is still alive and they see it, will they think you gave up looking for him? I mean, there's really some interesting dynamics that go along with cold cases, you know, as opposed to the homicides that are just so final. There's no way you can, you know, question, uh, you know, someone's death, you know, proven death. Yeah,
2: and the interesting thing, too, is I understand there's some kind of a tie between somebody else. Now that has recently come out that maybe there is a connection to to her sister's case. Um, there there is some news that has recently come out about about um, you know her sister's case, which is wonderful. But what you said is is right on the mark, and and we know this from working with with the Q Center that the dynamic and the layers and and the whole thing, like I said, it's kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop, and it may drop, it may never drop, it may take thirty years to drop. You know, and and we have to find a way to to help the families and to to keep the continuity going, to keep the exposure out there. What what else have I forgotten in this dynamic, uh, Delilah? Because you 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 have been out there as a boots on the ground searcher as well in terms of the the missing cold cases. What else can you bring to the discussion here? Because you know you, you've been involved with them even longer than I.
0: Well, I think, uh, like Linda described, there, there's always that hope, especially with a right. missing person's case. I mean, there may be evidence of homicide. There may be evidence of a lot of different things. But until that person is found one way or another, the mm-hmm. loved ones grieve in a totally different way than, you know, a, a, a loss by homicide or a death in the family, however you want to do that. But it's totally different. Um, they, they, you don't know how to grieve. How, how do you grieve something that has so many unknowns? Um, the, they're just, it's totally different, and it's so different that it's indescribable. Um, you know, I've, I've seen so many family members who get very, very caught up in the grief process and yet don't know which direction to go with it. And I think that's the beauty of our organization is, you know, we, we have advocates who have been down that road. Many families um, who maybe their loved one has been recovered or maybe they haven't been recovered, but they are there. They reach out. They it, It's become um, a network in, its, in itself in that, families helping families, and I think that, to me, that's the most beautiful thing to see. Again, I, I haven't had the experience firsthand, but to, you know, to be able to sit back in a room of of families and see them reach out to each other, and then to see them have a good time together. It's not always, you know, the sadness and, and the negative side of it. They're they they communicate in a totally different way, almost like a totally different language, if you will. Right. Um Absolutely. But, yeah, and it's, it's
1: what's interesting about those languages, I because Delilah I use that term a lot, that it's a language first off, you know, gloss is a language that cannot be taught. It's a language that has to be learned through experience only. But the other thing too is that you know, you go in a room of people who've lost a loved one and you think, "Oh, they speak my language. There's a sense of feeling like you belong. And then mm-hmm. you take that and go into, let's say you've you've lost someone to an unsolved crime, and then you go into a room of people who also have lost someone to an unsolved crime, and then you think, "Oh my gosh, these are even my closer family, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know first, second, third degree relatives, it's you feel at home there's a connection there that other people simply don't understand and you can't make them understand it. You, you cannot get a degree in a PhD <laughs> right. in, in loss and, and understand it unless you've experienced it. And so that sense of family is, is so important and so critical because it, it also offers that family reassurance that if they can survive, so can I. And you only gain that when you're in the company of others who know your specific journey, such as loss of a loved one to a cold case, or you know. Do you think that
2: your book, your books, try to foster that? And I know that we all have our individual, um, you know, web pages for each book. And you know, granted, I don't post over there as much as I did initially. I try. But, you know, that could potentially be all these little sub-families. But, again, I'm thinking to myself, I'm way down the road, 35 years or so, and then someone just had their homicide a year ago. Maybe maybe they think we have nothing in common. I have something that I could do to help them. But, again, you don't want to sort of push yourself on somebody if they're not in, in the same mindset just because you've had the same thing happen doesn't mean that you're all going to click. But I would think with all these 500 writers and you have all these little subgroups and they each have their own web page and they're all in the book together. Is it your hope that they can kind of come together as a little family? Have you seen that, Linda?
1: They do in many of the books. And, you know, I – I, I have no explanation why they do in some books and not others, um, but many of them enjoy a close camaraderie, and you know it's very heartwarming to see. But I think mm-hmm. I think it's important that even though someone might be only a few months fresh in their loss, versus you, Donna, who you've got all that experience under your belt, plus you have the credibility of having done Shattered Lives Radio and blogging for a very long time. Uh, You know, you've got all that that back experience as well. Um, I think many people are so fresh in their own journey that we just need to be there with them without trying to, how do I say this? Um, Because, you know, I want to say to people, it does get less awful. It does. The sun does Mm -hmm. come out again. I want to say that to them, but they are not in a position or a mindset to believe me at that point. And so you almost discredit yourself when you try to convince them to skip ahead. And, you know, it's just more being in that moment with them and in their moment of darkness, rather than trying to shine my light onto them, just being there with them so they're not alone in their darkness. And Because they could resent
2: it. You don't want them to resent your attempts to help. help.
1: Right, Right. and so that's that's the thing is that I think it's really, really important, and this is my personal belief and my personal philosophy, that Mm -hmm. the very first steps toward healing begin with validating our grief. And many people are not allowed to validate their grief because family says to them or friends say to them, when are you going to go back to normal? Or haven't you moved on yet? Or things like that. And so they don't feel validated. They're not given the support that I had. And mm-hmm. truly, you cannot begin to heal from something until you validated that something in the first place. And only then can you begin to process what happened. And processing leads to healing. So it's a step-by-step. And, you know, so, so when we want to surround them with our light and, and tell them it's going to be okay, You know, if someone had said that to me early on, I wasn't sure I would believe them. Like, how can this be okay? I'm not sure I can survive. Really. Right. I'm not sure I can survive. I don't know that I
2: want Suzy sunshine every single day when I'm feeling in the depths of despair. You know, it's like, oh, go away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's almost (laughs) like somebody who come out out of a dark room into a bright sunlight. It hurts your eyes at first. And so I think it's important to validate their grief first and be there with them, and then, you know, gauge, because everyone's different, right? It right. depends on how they were raised, uh, you know, what filters they have for their life, and and so it's important to kind of gauge what they need at the time and respond with that, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so with everyone, it, it is different, Um I think in the homicide book, I think that was one of them where the, the differences in the journeys, the length of time, was a pretty large difference. I want to say, in the um, like loss of an infant, you know, that, that difference um, in the journeys in terms of years wasn't quite as extreme. And there is a lot of healing that takes place with time. I mean, as much as we hate that thought, it is true. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm a little more healed than I was last year, or two years ago, or three years ago, or four years ago. I can't deny that. And mm-hmm. I, you know, the wounds will always be there, but my coping is but much stronger. But you have to
2: accept that, and you have to right. You have right. to be willing to trust to trust your feelings and to trust other people before you can move on in the next step of grief and be willing to go back. You know, it's not linear, as we all know one step right. two
1: steps three steps two yep. steps or five forward, three steps forward right. steps
2: back so yeah. i guess we all have to be cognizant of that and i'm wondering we we have about 11 minutes or or so left of our show just to give you a little time check and um i'm wondering um what what is your what is your overreaching goal with 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 um this series i know you said well Eight books, and, and I will have covered it. Well, ha-ha, look at, look at what you've learned. Um, now that you're down the road and we have all of these books and it's perpetually growing, is there, is there something you're, you're, you're thinking about for the future or you just wanted to perpetually grow or then maybe branch off into something else other than anthology?
1: You know I do. Um ideally in a perfect world I would love to see a, a TV show that is based around grief, a reality show. Now it wouldn't be a reality show like Big Brother where you put, you know, 16 grievers in a in a, you know, house uh, without outside contact for, you know, 4 months. It's not it wouldn't be like that. It would be more of a uh, for lack of a better word, I would say grief intervention. It would be a show where we would go and sit with somebody who is really struggling, who hasn't yet found their, their footing in life, and sit with them, examine why they haven't found their footing, what resources, uh, you know, are available to them, and explore. And and the reason for doing that, again, because media is very powerful, and being able for, to allow people to go inside a home with us and get an up front and center view of someone's life because of grief and how it's impacted them and prevented them from enjoying you know the, the riches of life, um, I think would be very valuable. People are very, uh, you know, visual. And so mm-hmm. you see all the different kinds of reality shows touching on different things, uh, but grief is not one of them. And again, it's up to us to open that dialogue because if we don't future generations inherit the same stigma the same you know taboo and and so in a perfect world that's where I'd like to see myself in a couple of years but truth be told you know there's quite a few different areas that we still have yet to explore in the grief diary series and as long as we're doing that service as long as we're leading with our heart and opening the dialogue on these different subjects. You know, plants is today, you know, just creating the registration for a Greek Diaries Life as a Fat Chick. Now, as a former fat woman, I, uh-huh. that's a journey I know well. And I <laughs> well, know I the grief the that chick. brought, and I, I well, and I, I, it, it brought me a lot of grief in my life. Mm-hmm. and, it you know, it's because of the stigma, and so, and grief from loss, grief from death has a stigma, people think you Absolutely. should be better in we're, six months, we're a pariah, it, you should people be, don't want to talk to us, right, they don't know how right, to talk to us, right, and so yeah. I have a passion for fighting stigma, but the first way to fight stigma is not with anger, not with, you know, come out with with gloves on. You know, in the boxing ring. It's about raising awareness. And how do you raise awareness? By sharing our story. It's the first mm-hmm. step. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. That sounds cool. Well, I hate to say you know life of a fat chick, but really that's what I you know that's that was the life that um I'm a I'm a binge eater, mm-hmm. and uh, and so and I've been thin now for over ten years, but. You know, it's a journey I know well, and I want to help give them a voice. And that's how I felt about your book. I want to give people who, you know, lost a loved one to homicide a voice. I want them to share their stories because that's how we learn. Stories is how we pass down information between the generations. That's how we educate people. It's how we, yeah. you know, put things in, in, you know, document in history. is by storytelling. So yeah. yeah. Well, how so, about the
2: electronic aspect? Because our future generations are not necessarily, maybe not going to read a book like our grandma did. Um, in terms of what are most of the books now? Are they available like on Kindle or an audio player or something? Or does it depend? How does that work?
1: They are all available, both print and digital, and okay. across all the platforms. And so Kindle, Nook, Apple. Uh, you know, all of those. They're all available both ways. Uh, we will be uh, putting all of them into audiobooks this year. And, cool. you know, it's interesting, the publishing landscape just continues to change before our very eyes. And it's almost like, you know, running to keep up with all the changes. And as a publisher, you know, I belong to some national publishing associations to stay on top mm-hmm. of that and oh, you yeah. know, learn what do we need to accommodate how this changes because you're right. You know, back in the stone ages, they you know used stones to you know carve things in, and then went, went to printing, and now it's becoming all digital and such. And so, you know, how do we keep up with the times? Um, so and that's my job. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, you certainly have.
2: are there. Can you mention to us um, what which, which books perhaps are looking for more for for more contributors, for more co-authors? I know that victim impact is one of them, It's that whose deadline is February 27th, perhaps missing persons. Can you, can you go through a, a short list of those?
1: If there are people that are listening that maybe say, oh, I have something to offer, would that be helpful? Sure. You know, actually, the best way for them to do it is to go to the website, griefdiaries.com. Okay. And up at the top right corner, there's going to be a button that says share your story. Click on that. And i will take you to a page with all the open registrations at the moment. We've got some very interesting titles there. You know, and again, um, a lot of them immediately you think, well, that has nothing to do with grief or death. Well, being raped, that's grief, right? Being molested as a child, that's mm-hmm. grief. And mm-hmm. so a lot of those titles are very, you know, they're, they're life experiences that touch thousands of people, if not millions, and yet people are ashamed of them, so they keep them hidden, and, uh, and so, so you're going to find a whole assortment of titles there, and people can join more than one book. That's what's very important about this is that, you know, as long as you've walked that journey firsthand, you can join a, a, any number of books. And we've had some writers, more than more than one, uh, where they've they contributed to to nine books, and wow. because they've been through that many experiences. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah. So there's I there's can ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And so things like you know living, uh, you know, as a as a lesbian or a gay person, you know, that's important to share your mm-hmm. journeys. Living, you know, life as a fat chick. And that's important to share our journeys, life after organ transplant. Uh, We've got one book right now that is filled with writers living with rheumatic disease. And we also have some really ones that people would think, oh, my gosh, uh, I survived suicide. That's that's one that we started uh, just a couple weeks ago. And people can still sign up, even though a book project started. It is still open. And so you can catch up. But, you know, there are people who have attempted suicide, survived, and then found that all the resources out there are for people who lost someone to suicide. And so one of them said, would you do a book for, for us? And I said, absolutely. And so uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot of titles there to uh, wow. explore. Wow. Well- Looks yeah. like you're going to be busy for a long time, Yeah, I I I think you're right, Donna, but I'm I'm so grateful for people like you that, you know, have become an important part of this series. You know, some people just want to share their story and they're good with it. You know, people like you, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this is my this is this is you know, I'm an advocate, and this, this resonates with me. I want to be, be more. I want to co-author this book. I want to do, you know. And so I, I'm just, I'm honored to collaborate with people such as yourself. That Because I don't see this as my book series. I see this as ours. I see it yeah. as, you know, it belongs to all of us. And mm-hmm. I, I can't do it alone. I, I can't, you know. No, I. If I wanted to. I, yeah, it's, you know, these are your stories. You know? So Well, they're yeah. your stories
2: too and you and you, you initiated. So kudos to you and you know, I just oh, have tons you. of respect. Um, how is That's there mutual. any other way that we can assist you other than to make sure that this podcast gets played and to go to your website and to see the other books that are open? Please be sure to try to talk this up to your local booksellers and Barnes and Noble and places like that, right?
1: Yeah, and don't be afraid to ask your mom-and-pop bookstores. You know, yes. they're the bread and yes. butter. And, I, you know, if they don't have it in, because, you know, let's be honest here, two million books are being published every year, and bookstores only have so much shelf space. Right. And so if they don't have it on the shelf, ask them to order it in. They'll be happy to order it in for you. They can go to their catalog, find all the titles, and, you know, give them a little bit of the, uh, you know, piece of the pie. So don't be afraid to go not just to your your big you know brick and mortar your big like Barnes and Noble or, or even right. Amazon they're, yeah go to they're the very ones. hard
2: to get into believe me um, as as we all know but um it's Lila, do you have some parting thoughts um for us before we close out with Linda
0: well I just uh, once again I'm I'm so pleased to be part of the show with Linda and Aww, to hear everything that she I has to yeah. say. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing how how you've been able to bring this to the forefront in in the place that it needs to be. I think a lot of times we try to be helpful and we're not. Sometimes the best help is no help. And to just be there, just to listen. And you're giving that platform to people. You're not out there telling them what they have to do to survive. You're listening. And I think that... That is the most important thing. People want to be listened to. It they certainly do. is.
2: Yeah. And, and from my last parting, I just thought of one other thing. If there are nonprofits out there that have a specialty topic that would be worthy, would you would you encourage people to consider that route as you have done with uh, cold cases and whatnot? Just
1: wondering. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you see a topic there in the, the list of books, that um, you're you're you know there, there's a hole there and you think oh they should do this let us know you know okay. every single one, you know these titles were inspired by people who said you know would you do this and so nonprofits are always a joy to partner with in terms of doing the book form within the series is because they they come with a built-in you know, group of writers. Set
2: of people. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I think we, we know lots of nonprofits, so maybe we can pursue that with you. So, again, we want to say thank you so much. Thank you for taking time out of your oh, sat- thanks for Saturday. Me. I know we're going to keep in touch because we're working together, and it's such yep. a joy. Thank you so much. Um, oh, please, everybody, you, email me and be sure, because Linda and I will be doing the book giveaways as soon as we – as soon as we get your email address and get the information, we'll get it out to you. And please do write reviews for both of our books. So with that, we'll close out our edition for Chattered Lives Radio. Until next time. So see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye, Sina. Bye, ladies. Have a good night,